Hey everyone, Brian here. It's 1049, January 6th. Thanks for listening. I was just about to write a little bit more of my book, The Power of Permission, I've been writing for the last three years. Centered around the premise, the top regret that people have before they die. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. Such a full, loaded, rich sentence. This was the top regret that people had on their deathbed. As in they're about to die, there's this palliative care nurse, Brawny War. I hope I said her name correctly. And there's these top five regrets, and this was the number one regret. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself. So apparently, it takes courage to do what you want for yourself, rather than to do what other people expect of you. And expectations are essentially judgments. I believe that I know what is best for you. I believe that this is how you are supposed to live your life. So should and supposed to point to judgments. You should do this. You're supposed to do that. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses means there's a norm out there. There's a level of status, of significance that needs to be maintained in order to fit in, in order to be acceptable, in order to be culturally, societally okay, up to speed, the average, in order to essentially conform to what is normal. Because we don't want to be socially outcast. We don't want to be disconnected or abandoned. We don't want to be the weirdo. We don't want to stand out. Why don't we want to any of those things? Ultimately, there's fear under that. And at the very root of that fear is a psychological fear. As socially dependent beings. You know, Teal Swan says that our need for connection is actually even uh, more fundamental than our need for food. Because sometimes when we're in that in the states of breakup or kind of like that emotional disconnect in our social relationships, we will actually even not eat. And so really just seeing how fundamental connection is, which means being together, which means the opposite of being alone, which is actually feeling some sense of I am with you. And we can't feel I am with you when we're trying to fix the other person, when we are avoiding our own pain or hurt or vulnerability or what is true, because we can't hold space for others in being however they're being, unless we're able to hold space for ourselves. Because if we're not aware or holding space for what is true for us, 
when someone else brings up something that is true for them that we have not dealt with, we move into reaction, defensiveness, fight or flight, withdrawal, shut down, whatever that pattern or reaction is for you. And so we're up against a lot of pressure. Pressure formed through social expectations. We're all trying to maintain and uphold an image, an image of how we want to be perceived by other people. In order to do this, we control ourselves, suppressing certain behaviors, exaggerating others, sometimes overcompensating, sometimes withholding or lying, white lies sometimes. Sometimes we control people externally to us. All of this to maintain the status quo. To maintain what we believe makes us valuable, what we believe helps us belong or fit in. And this is part of what is painful. What is painful for us is when we live inauthentically. And this is what our emotions tell us. This is why so many people are unhappy. One of many reasons. We're unhappy because we're not fully being who we are. Why? Because we've been taught not to be. We've been taught that certain ways of being, especially these things judged as negative emotions, we could call them more uncomfortable emotions without the judgment, because emotions don't have to be necessarily positive or negative, but certainly some feel less comfortable than some of the more positively labeled emotions like joy, love, care, connection, gratitude. And so we're very good at avoiding vulnerability, avoiding pain, Because vulnerability is risking that image. And that image is our reputation. That image is who we think we are. That image is where we've identified all of our value. Who am I without that? I don't know. Scary. The unknown. It's death to who you think you are. And so obviously we want to avoid psychological death. But 
when you think about it, if who you think you are dies, there's still you left because you are not your thoughts. You are not your beliefs. You are not who you've identified with. You are not your reputation. You are not your image. You are not your job. You are not what you do. You are not your relationships. You are not the brother or the sister or the mom or the dad or the uncle or the husband or the wife. These are roles. These are labels. This is not who you are, but we have identified as those things. And so, of course, we're going to be unhappy and die with regret if we didn't listen to ourselves. And that's what we're being called to do with our emotions is actually pay attention and listen to ourselves. And Gabor Mate wrote an incredible book and has many amazing talks when the body says no. When you don't listen to the body, your body will say no for you. And it will often do that in the form of some type of manifested disease, whether it be Crohn's or MS or cancer or the list goes on. There's no exclusive diseases. It's just our body has a way of capturing our attention if we are not listening. And so it's important to be able to obviously decipher what the message is. What's the message that I'm not hearing? Sometimes the message is a simple one like slow down. Relax. Don't stress as much. And then we say we defend our limitations and we say but I have to. And your body says well you might think you have to and you can continue doing what you're doing, but you won't live very long and you won't be very happy. So it's your choice. Just wanted to let you know, I as the living organism, the body, am not going to continue like this. I can't. Because with high amounts of stress and adrenaline and cortisol, it can't repair. It tends towards homeostasis. So if we have some type of disease manifested and there's something that's getting in the way of our body naturally gravitating towards that place of equilibrium. And so this is where the distinction, what's normal, may not necessarily be natural. It's very important to understand. So what is normal is the keeping up the Joneses effect. What's normal is when we look to other people, again, go moving to the external outside of us for what is acceptable, for what is approved of, for what is okay and not okay, for what is going to get us attention or status or love, whatever that is. So we look to others, we compare, we see mostly everyone else around us doing the same thing and we say, oh, okay, that must be normal. Everyone else is unhappy in their relationships, that must be normal. Everyone else is obese, that must be normal. Everybody else is stressed at work, that must be normal. But is what's normal actually natural? And is that what is actually true for everyone? No, it's not. So what we end up choosing instead is to believe that 
just because there's a majority of people experiencing something that must also be true for me. That's a false assumption. It's a limiting belief, that's for sure. And so would you like to choose to believe in something that doesn't feel good? Or would you rather choose something else? And we say, well, that's just the way it is. Or that's just who I am. It's the way it is and that's who I am. And this is where the book called Mindset is very helpful. There's a TED Talk on this as well. The distinction between a growth mindset and... I can't remember the name of the other one. Something to do with static, you know, growth-oriented or the same. So, and that comes from where was that belief and that mindset even instilled in us in education? It was apparently the way that we were raised, either by our parents or in school, created the belief that I can change or I can't change. This is the way it is and always will be, or I believe I can change who I am in my circumstances. And even that belief was learned. So we really have to understand where did these beliefs come from? Where does this way of thinking, which is what a belief is, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of seeing, it's one of many perspectives or mindsets, ways of making sense of things. When were these beliefs implanted in me? Because that's all they were. We've learned things to see the world in a certain way. The earth was once flat. The universe once revolved around the earth, not the sun. There's many instances of paradigm shifts. Complete shifts in our understanding of how things are. Just like we believe the body and the mind are separate still, and that's an outdated belief and paradigm. We believe that all matter is solid, but is actually both a wave and a particle, vibration. But it takes a long time for these paradigms to shift. There's a great quote on paradigm shifts. Let me see if I can remember at first, new ideas are like laughed at. Then they're violently opposed. And then they're seen as self-evident. And so this is the process of change, of changing our minds. Changing our stubborn way of thinking and identity that this, some people call the ego, we could just as easily call it the personality, which is who you think you are, latches on to in order to maintain its survival because it has become an entity within you that is fighting to maintain the illusion that it is separate, that it needs to control everything, that it needs to maintain what is safety and certainty and familiarity in order to survive. And so if you really want to be happy to come back to the top regret before death, 
you have to have the courage to live a life true to yourself beyond what other people expect of you, which means you need to start questioning what is normal versus what is natural. You need to start questioning, why do I believe this? Is this belief or way of thinking serving me? What do I need or want right now, regardless of what other people think is best for me, because only I can know what's best for me? And so what I'm providing you right now with, your awareness is expanding as I speak, to what degree depends on your level of awareness. For some, it'll be very minute amount because you're already very much there. And this is more just rounding out your um, sense of what you already know. For others, this can be a very awakening experience to expand your perspective because perspective becomes constricted over time, especially when we're living in fear. Fear constricts our consciousness as well as so does phones and focused task-oriented activities, especially being indoors, especially when they're logical, rational, mathematical, less creative. But although creative can definitely come into that very focused, we're talking about from an NLP, neuro-linguistic programming perspective of chunking down. So chunking down, meaning getting more specific, chunking up, meaning getting more general. So bigger perspective, the macro versus the smaller perspective, the micro. Notice when you're on your phone scrolling, how constricted and not constricted, not meaning bad or good, just how small and focused your attention is. And notice when you put your phone down, if you were to suddenly walk outside and step out your door, your consciousness can expand. You can feel the neighborhood, the houses, the fresh air, the sky is a bigger limit than your ceiling is or than all of your attention going to your phone. And so this is a muscle, the micro macro, the chunking up, the chunking down, the big perspective, the the director perspective, seeing the whole picture versus the reductionistic point of view that tends to zoom all the way in and break things down. Very important to be able to oscillate between both so that we can step outside of our experience a little bit look at it and say is this where i want to be right now where do i want to be going who do i want to be coming what do i want to achieve or do or what am i aiming for in life what do i actually value are my actions and words in alignment with what I want and what I value? And what do I desire anyway in life for myself? Because that's not selfish to want good for yourself, especially if it's different than what other people want for you. Because only you can make yourself happy. So are you going to spend your life making other people happy or yourself happy? Because notice that no matter how hard you try to make others happy, they're still oftentimes not happy, are they? So you're trying to control something that you can't control. Someone else's experience. What does that lead to? Anxiety, overwhelm, depression, resentment. Trying to control something you can't control. Versus what can you control? Yourself, the way you think, your attitude, your attention, your intention. What you focus on how you see things, 
This is why opening ourselves up to a diverse range of perspectives is very healthy because you might see something from a different angle in a way that you hadn't before. And this is where I love the story of the three blind mice and the elephant. So if you haven't heard it before, there's three blind mice and they're all touching an elephant, arguing over what, what is an elephant? What is an elephant really? And one's touching the tail. It says, ah, an elephant is, is like a broom. It could feel all of the, the hairs on the tail. And another mouse says, no, 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 no. It's touching the, one of its legs, but obviously they can't tell what they're touching. And it says, no, an elephant is like a tree. It's very sturdy. And then the third mouse is touching, third blind mouse is touching the trunk of the elephant. And it says, ah, an elephant is like a hose. It's not like a tree. It's not like a broom. It's like a hose. And so they're arguing over the same thing, the elephant. But they're all touching different parts of it. And this is the way perspective works. This is the holistic perspective of you as consciousness experiencing an individual aspect of an infinite number of instances of itself is what is valuable about you is your perspective your personal story your experience and what you've lived because only you can bring that your preferences your gifts your way of seeing to the world that is what makes you valuable is who you are and the way you see things and it doesn't make anyone else's opinion or perspective wrong better or lesser than yours every opinion and perspective is absolutely equally valid as much as it is valuable just because yours is valid does not mean yours is right and someone else's is wrong all are valid And so it takes courage to stand up for yourself in your opinion, in your truth, in your perspective, in your story. And that's why Brene Brown says courage is to own your whole story with your whole heart because there is bravery in owning that and saying, this is who I am. This is what's happened. This is what's created me. This is what I believe. This is what I want. And not everyone will agree with that. It's impossible for everyone to agree with that, even though we so desperately want others to agree and believe with us. We want to be liked. That is natural. We want to be cared for. We want to care for others. We really, really, really want to be liked. We want to be agreed with. We don't want to upset others. That's natural. But the only way we're actually going to attract more people like us is by speaking our truth. And so when we, when we withhold and we suppress, which leads to depression because it's an act of pushing down rather than expression, an act of moving up and out. When we suppress... Guess who we get stuck with? The other people who are average and conforming. And again, doesn't mean those are bad or wrong. This is not a judgment. It's just saying, is that who you want to be being around? The answer is no. This is very stagnant. You're called to growth. There's a longing in you that's pulling you forward towards something else. Something's missing. 
your truth, your highest calling, your purpose, your contribution, your value, your perspective in being who you are, your full expression, your highest excitement, the feeling of being fully alive. That's what you want. Your soul is calling you to that, actually. And so it's a beautiful thing. Your emotions saying, hey, I'm not feeling good, meaning I'm not living in my highest truth right now. What actually do I want or need or excites me right now? How can I have the courage to find something within myself that I want to bring forward, that I can value my life more than other people's opinions of me? Isn't my life valuable enough for me to recognize that even if no one else on this planet agrees with me, I at least see my value and my truth. I love my truth because I actually can't deny it. Actually, I I can, but it's just useless because it's not changing. And that's the beauty of your truth. It needs no explanation. It needs no explanation. It needs no defense because it is who you are, period. So you can avoid and deny that all you want. You have the free will to avoid and deny the truth of who you are. I know it's a bitch. Free will, right? And so this is where this self-acceptance piece starts to come in. And acceptance meaning just welcoming what I have been pushing away. And that's what love is. Love is the energy of coming towards versus moving away from, which is a distancing, which is a fear, which is a denial, which is a rejection. It's a subtle form of self-abandonment and self-rejection. And we do that in very subtle ways sometimes. This pushing away. I don't like that. We push it away because there's a judgment there. I don't like that because at one point in time, I learned that that aspect of me was unacceptable. Whether, whether it's the angry aspect of me or the joyful aspect of me. These can be positive and negative aspects of ourselves that we've learned were not okay and when we learned they were not okay which is unacceptable we thought that that was we were unlovable and so we just hid that part of ourselves why because as children we are completely dependent on our primary caregivers for the purposes of survival we are the most dependent mammal on this planet most other mammals, when you think of, um, I'll use the example of like a giraffe or an antelope or a zebra or, you know, different animals, um, dogs, they have to learn how to walk and uh, be able not to defend themselves, but to be self-sufficient enough to run away from predators but we are completely dependent on our primary caregivers for for how long in the beginning of our life i don't know what the you know quote unquote official number is but long time obviously and so anything that we end up learning or believing is not okay threatens our very survival so it's like if i am this way then I will, I might sever or disconnect from that person 
who I'm completely dependent upon. So I'm forced. I'm forced. It's an adaptation, Gabor Mate calls it. We're forced to adapt, to change, to hide this aspect of ourselves, to self-reject or abandon, and then to show only the desired, acceptable aspects or qualities of ourself. And then we learn that only that is who we are. That's what we call our personality. This is who I am. No, no, no. It's not all of who you are, actually. You've hidden all of these other things and only shown this. So we fractured ourselves. We make these splits in our consciousness. And this is what healing is, is returning to wholeness, which means integrating those lost, rejected, abandoned aspects of ourselves that now feel inauthentic. We say, that's not who I am. Well, you've only learned that's not who you are. And this is what shadow work is called. Shadow work just meaning the light of consciousness, which means awareness, is not there, which means it's unconscious, which means you're unaware of it. That's all shadow work is. I'm unaware of these things. In other words, shadow work, like Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. I'll slow that one down and explain. It's one of my favorite quotes. Because our spiritual work, or the work of being real or returning to who we really are, returning to our essence, is the work of reintegration. It is the work of making what was once made unconscious, conscious again which means bringing light to or awareness to that which we have denied, lost, suppressed, rejected, abandoned, which is ultimately painful. And that's why we avoid and deny it. It's painful. Why? And I want to say the quote again as well. So why is this work painful? And why is this work necessary? And how does this relate to Carl Jung's Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. In other words, what is operating underneath our awareness, without our conscious awareness, directs our life. In other words, it's controlling us because we are subject to it. Something you are subject to controls you. And therefore, our life turns out a certain way because we have unconscious programs running And then we say, well, that's just who I was or how things were meant to be. So we call it fate. Until you make the unconscious conscious, you will call, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. In other words, when I make the unconscious conscious, now I gain control because I have awareness. I've talked about this in some of my other uh, podcasts and it's going to be in my book. Um, I call it the empowerment equation is when I get become aware of something that I wasn't before. Now I have a choice that I didn't have before. The same thing of becoming aware. Let's say there's 10 things on a table, but there's a flashlight and it's a dark room that are shining only on two of them. I only can see two things. So I can only have two choices until the light expands and I can see the 10 things on the table. Now I can choose. So now I have responsibility to choose what actually works for me 
versus I didn't have that choice before. So awareness equals responsibility equals choice equals control equals freedom. They're all the same thing, but it starts with awareness. However, well, then it's like, well, that's easy, Brian. Then I just need to become aware. But why are we avoiding and denying this awareness? Because it's painful. Why is it painful? Because when we have suppressed authentic aspects of ourselves, we have denied the act of rejection, the act of abandonment, the act of denial is inherently painful. It's like a child crying and you just saying, shut up, go away. You're rejecting your own innocence. You're rejecting your own emotional reality. And you're, you're saying it's not real. It's invalidating. And that's what happened with our primary caregivers. We were completely invalidated. We were not acknowledged or recognized. These are really big words for giving attention to, which is what love really is. Recognition, acknowledgement, attention, validation, all very powerful words which all mean paying attention to, which is a way that we show care, which is a way of saying, that's okay, I see you. I see you as you are, and I don't need you to go away. You're not too much or too little for me. I just see that you're hurting. I see that you're angry. I see you as you are without needing to change you in any way. And that's what we really want is unconditional love which is simply acceptance. Which is simply, I don't need to change anything about you because I'm okay with you not changing. Even if you're not okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay being with you in this. We don't have to go anywhere. And that's this being with, that's this belonging that we so our craving, that's this feeling of connection that comes from not getting anywhere, not doing anything, not giving advice, not fixing, not making a comment on that invalidates or takes the attention away. And so it's painful when you've suppressed yourself and you learn that you've been doing that not, not just yourself. We need to stop referring to ourselves as a singularity. That's what uh, Teal Swan taught me. A singularity meaning me. There are many aspects of our whole being that need to be integrated. And so it's painful when you learn that you've been suppressing various aspects of yourself over long periods of time. Whether you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, however many years old you are, that's likely about the number of years you've suppressed or rejected or abandoned these aspects of yourself. And so then all of that emotion that was not able to be expressed at that time and for over this time now is coming to the surface. And so this is the counterintuitive bittersweet part of the work where it's like, 
Okay, so in order to gain more control and freedom over my life, in order to feel good and to be actually who I am outside of other people's opinions and expectations of me, I need to go through the pain of accepting and integrating the denied aspects of myself. So I literally need to consciously walk through pain in order to become or return to who I really am. Yay! Right? So we're resolving generations of pain, actually. Because part of the reason that we've avoided and denied these aspects of ourselves is because our parents learn to from their parents and their parents, 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 parents. And so it's not that it's our our fault or our parents' fault. That it's not that there's anyone to blame necessarily. Although that's a whole other podcast on how we actually need to allow ourselves to express anger and hurt and resentment and blame. Maybe not all the time at that person, but through journaling exercises or role playing, or if that person has already worked through a lot of their stuff and can actually hold space for that, that is an actual possibility, um, which is really cool. Um, When we get to that level of consciousness, that's amazing. But there are different ways of expressing the hurt because ultimately when we're hurt, There's anger. There's you hurt me. There's a boundary that was not drawn. That's where anger comes from. There was a boundary that was crossed. There was something that was not okay. And anger is a way of letting someone know, that's not okay for me. That's not okay for me. So it's actually a healthy boundary defense mechanism. It becomes unhealthy when we suppress it and shut it down and we don't let it just happen in the moment. We bottle it up over years and suddenly you've got a pressurized bottle ready to explode called rage and then that's a whole other podcast and kettle of fish so we won't get too much into that to reel this all in let's go back to two quotes carl Jung: until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate and I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that other people expected of me. I can only begin living a life true to myself when I begin to ask myself, what do I want and need? And what programs are running in me? What have I learned and what have I been taught to believe is true for me that is not actually in resonance in alignment, or feels good for me. That's what resonance and alignment and vibration, these different, sometimes spiritual terms really mean. Does this feel good for me right now? And if it feels kind of neutral versus bad, that's a step up. But if you're already feeling neutral, it's like, what would excite me? And that's actually a hard question for a lot of people to answer. What feels true to me? Another question can be, what would feel good for me to be or do right now beyond what I think I'm supposed to do. And so we, a lot of people flounder with that question because we're so used to taking our cues from other people because in school, you know, education was designed during the industrial revolution to create people that were workers who were good at being told what to do. So we're very used to being told what to do by our parents Because especially at a a certain point in time, remember, we were completely dependent on them. 
So we took our cues from them and they were responsible for us. But this is part of growing up. You eventually reach this point where you're no longer dependent. You become independent. You start making decisions for yourself and parents and kids need to make that transition into adult to adulthood with more uh, awareness and intentionality so that that tie can be severed. You can still stay in connection. It's just saying, parents, your job here is done. You know, you've done your job. Thank you so much. And this is called a rite of passage, like in the bar mitzvah Jewish tradition. Now you no longer have responsibility. You can still care for, but you no longer have responsibility. It's not your job to know what's best for this child anymore, because this child's now an adult. And now you, child who has become an adult, a mature human being who's independent, you now know what's best for you. So now you have to learn to trust yourself the most. Because your opinion matters the most. And you have to learn your own lessons and make your mistakes. And even though someone else might actually be right or might actually know better than you, it's your job to be open to feedback, but to take everything with a grain of salt and to ultimately decide what you think is best for you. Because words don't teach. Experience teaches. So you need to learn on your own. You need to make your own mistakes. And that might be very hard for people who love you, to watch. But it's not up to them. You have to become who you are in your own way, in your own time. And you're only going to die with regret if you listen to other people. Because then you're just going to blame them or blame yourself. I should have known better. So it's very hard to give ourselves permission to disappoint others. Sometimes it's upsetting to others when we give ourselves permission to put ourselves first. Putting ourselves first means I value my opinion the highest because I know what's best for me. And I'm not selfish in asking for and in stating and in being what I want and desire. I don't need to feel guilty for that. Because those who truly, 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 truly deeply love me will accept what I choose for myself because they would understand that only I can make myself happy. All right, guys, that was the power of permission, like book summary, really. So super, super excited to finish this book off. I'd love your help getting it out there when it does come out. If you have any comments, questions, I love hearing from you. Please check out my websites, bryantohanna.com, connectwork.fun, and findyourwhystory.com. Connect with any of those uh, platforms. I do a lot of different things, so I'm really, really excited to bring you as much value as I physically spiritually mentally emotionally can i'm like so 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 passionate about sharing all of this because it's ultimately what is going to liberate you and empower you this is the information and awareness that you need to make the choices that are best for you which only you can do so thank you so much for listening and valuing your life see you next time and share with anyone who you think might benefit. Much love.